Welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. This week, there's a lot to talk about. The Titanic, she's back with a vengeance, baby. She's killed before and she has killed again. She's taken five more lives. People don't seem to really give a shit about those lives because uh, they were rich people. But here at Topical, we think that the deaths of anyone is sad, uh, even if you're a billionaire. We're going to be talking about that. Then also, uh, Putin has managed to stave off a coup from some mercenaries who he seems to owe something to. We're going to talk about that. And just to round things off, we've got a fantastic story about Lance Armstrong, you know, the guy who uh, cheated um, and completely ruined the reputation of cycling for decades and decades, and it still hasn't managed to repair its image. Well, that guy is doing a documentary about whether trans athletes undermine the integrity of sport. It's it's hard to write these things, um, but Lance Armstrong, who has a lot of expertise on the topic of undermining the integrity of sport, is going to do an entire docu-series about it. We're going to chat about that. Very exciting stuff. Before we get into it, guys, we've got the absolute best intro music in the business. You don't want to miss this. So enjoy the next 30 seconds, and then I'll be back talking about the news. That's one small step for podcast. One giant leap for comedy. We are still down and ready to go. I'll never I'll surrender. But I ain't spending any time on it. Please explain. I'm going to. Okay. Welcome back to the show. So as I foreshadowed in the introduction, uh, the Titanic has killed again. She is a killing machine. She must be stopped. Or alternatively, maybe we shouldn't be sending uh, people down uh, a couple kilometers underwater in a little uh, tin can that uh, has leaks in it. That's also something that we could avoid doing. Uh, The first thing I want to say about the topic of all these people dying in a very, very horrible, nightmarish, uh, awful, awful manner. I got. Hopefully it was quick for them, but we're going to just work off the assumption that it was slow, painful, and awful. We're going to work off that assumption. So the question is, can you make jokes about them? That was the first thing that everyone was discussing because these people were trapped before we knew they had died. Everyone was making jokes about them. And I think it's fine. And I'll tell you why it's fine. Because they are not going to hear the jokes being made about them. Like one of the perks, I'm not saying there's a lot of perks, but one of the perks of being trapped in a submersible uh, little can, a uh, little, little submarine as it's called, little little metal uh, titanium carbon fiber thing, one of the um, benefits of that, being a couple of kilometers underwater, is that it is hard to get Wi-Fi down there. Now, personally, I am with Telstra, and I don't think they have the best of coverage uh, even when I'm on land. I, I doubt they would be uh, you know, having much coverage down at the bottom of the ocean. So I, I think it's fine to make jokes about them because like, no one's... They're not going to see the jokes. And honestly, I think if they did see the jokes, maybe that would have given them a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a laugh in the uh, final few moments of their lives because some of these jokes 
Very, very funny stuff. I really do think that the internet is full of the funniest people in the world. And whenever there is tragedy, uh, one of the benefits of tragedy is that uh, there are always awful, awful, dark jokes to be made about it. And there's nothing wrong with making jokes, even as something is happening. People are like, oh, it's too soon. It is too soon. Well, okay, well, the too soon argument is stupid because that implies that there is a time when it is okay to make fun of people's deaths. And if you're telling me, oh, it's okay to make a joke about this in 12 months from now, how's that any better than making a joke about it right now? I'm not saying I'm going to go and make jokes about it. Look, I probably will do it on this podcast for the next 30 minutes. But my point is, it's fine to make jokes about people who aren't going to hear the jokes anyway. Now, look, the reason why people don't give a shit about the deaths of these five people, and, and let's be honest, no one gives a shit. The people who are pretending to give a shit are lying. No one actually, I mean, maybe their families care about them, but I mean, but even that, it's, I don't think their families care about them that much, or at least not all their family members, because you hear about this one dude, he's the, the stepson of one of these billionaires who happened to be on the submersible. His stepson uh, went to a Blink-182 concert while his uh, stepfather was on the submersible. Now, we all grieve in different ways. I understand that. We all do grieve in different ways. Some people grieve by uh, being sad and crying at home. Some people grieve uh, by going to a fun concert and singing anthems from the 90s. Some people grieve in different ways. That's my point that I'm making. I suspect, though, that maybe this stepson just wasn't as kind of, you know, depressed about his, uh, his billionaire stepfather being trapped in a submersible at the bottom of the ocean, presumably because he knows he's already in the will. And his father, his stepfather is not going to hear about his stepson's partying while, you know, he's trapped down in the, in the little tin can at the bottom of the ocean. So why not go out and enjoy yourself? You just made a couple billion dollars. I think it's time to celebrate if you're that kid. My point is, People don't really care so much about the rich. In, if, in fact, really, there's so much schadenfreude in this. So there's, and if you don't know, schadenfreude is a lovely German word, uh, which means taking pleasure in other people's pain or other people's demise, which is, I've got to say, a very German thing to do. People are enjoying the schadenfreude of this spectacle because these rich billionaires and millionaires are down in the bottom of the ocean and uh, and they're, they're dying. And then they did die in, a, in a, an implosion, an implosion. And they're all dead. And people are kind of happy about that because we hate the rich. We hate the rich. And look, I'm not like a guy, I'm not a Marxist, I'm not a socialist, I'm, I'm not a guy who's like, we got to redistribute wealth, we got to we got to tax the rich. I, I'm not that guy. I don't know enough about economics to really have a strong opinion either way. To be honest, sometimes I see rich people and my default position is, you know what, they, maybe they worked hard. Maybe they earned it. I think being hateful and jealous towards the rich is not a healthy attribute to have. And maybe you should sometimes look at the rich and go, hey, what have they done that um, I can emulate and learn from? That's what I usually say about the rich. And then I'll be honest, then sometimes I'll walk past them uh, as I make my way into economy on a plane. I'll walk past business class as they're sipping their champagne and reclining in their leather seats. And I think we should eat them. So I, I got to say, I do respect the rich. I have noticed that when I'm on a plane though and I'm suffering and they're doing great, I hate them so much. And to be quite honest, I think that's what is coming out in this moment. And that's where the jokes are coming from. That's where the anger is coming from. That people are making fun of these rich people because 
Most people, you know, are struggling. Most people are making, uh, are struggling to make ends meet. Most people, you know, are really battling with the cost of living. They can't put food on the table. And then they hear about these rich motherfuckers who have just spent what $250,000 a ticket to go in a little tin can made of a titanium carbon fiber uh, alloy molding that, that isn't really going to you know, sustain uh, the uh, thousands and thousands of pressure required. So they, 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 people look at these, guys, these rich guys who are just taking this uh, huge, uh, huge risk with their lives, huge risk with their lives and spending a lot of money to do so, to go down and see uh, the ruins of the Titanic, which you can already watch uh, on video because people have already videoed it. So you can kind of just see that for free already. People are looking at these billionaires and millionaires and saying, well, if this is how you want to spend your money, while I can't even fucking, I'm, I'm eating fucking, you know, sausages and fucking and, and tofu and, and, tinned, and tinned tuna and, and, uh, and two-minute noodles seven nights a week. If this is how you guys want to spend your money, I hope you die. That's, what, that's where the joke's are coming from. That's where it's coming from. And really, to be honest, it is an indication of just how much the the world has become more unequal over the last few years because over the last you know few years particularly with the pandemic we've seen millionaires become billionaires and we've seen billionaires get become ultra billionaires we've just seen the inequality of wealth just get get greater and greater between rich and poor and so now this is kind of like hey score one for the poor guys you know score the the, the poor guys finally they have something to finally celebrate because the poor people are like, well, at least I'm not going to ever die like that. You know, I might die because I, I freeze to death in my home during a very, very grim winter. Sure, I might die like that. However, I'm not going to die because uh, I'm crushed in an, um, in an implosion uh, two kilometers under under the sea. So that's uh, just a win for poor people. And to be honest, I think about why do we hate Harry and Meghan so much? It's it's for the same reason. I'm not saying I hate Harry and Meghan, but there's so many people out there who do. And you know why? It's because they're rich. That's why. You can't you can't empathize with someone who is a millionaire, billionaire and who lives in a castle because no matter how much stress and anxiety they are going through, it's hard to imagine their life being any harder than yours and i'm not saying that all the mental health issues that they've had to deal with and th- there's so much baggage emotional baggage and psychological trauma that that harry and megan have had to deal with and it's awful what the british media have done to them it's 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 truly awful that's what i believe but also they they got to live in a castle for a while you know like like megan was like oh they were they're racist and we're all like yeah they, they're the royal family of, of course they're racist and, and and you 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 made a trade you decided to marry into a a racist family in exchange, you get to have uh, the crown jewels. That was the trade. Now, I'm not saying that I'm Team Meghan, Team Harry, or whatever. I'm just saying that's where the hatred of Harry and Meghan comes from. It's hard to care about the mental health of someone who's worth millions and billions of dollars and who lives in a castle. It's hard to give a shit. And I just think that when when rich people suffer poor people finally feel like there's a bit of bit more justice in the world. I'm not saying that is accurate, but that's just the emotion that people are dealing with. My other thoughts about this are that I think it's great that we are experimenting uh, on the billionaires instead of the poor because previously, this is like just over the course of, of human history, we would normally uh, experiment on 
poor and we would on poor people who you know for example if a, if a new a new drug was coming out we would put it, give it to the poor first and see if it worked before we we gave it to the wealthy when we when we started sending people into space we didn't send uh, people into space first we sent dogs into space which i thought was quite cruel i mean one of the first ever uh i think cosmonauts that the russians sent sent into space was a dog they sent a very cute dog into space and that sounds like a really nice idea and then you're like how do they get the dog back they didn't get the dog back the dog just drifts, drifted off into space and look the dog died i know that's a grim thing to talk about on a podcast but i'm getting to something quite optimistic and hopeful about the future which is this stop stop experimenting on poor people or on animals and stop sending poor people and animals first into these dangerous places let's send the rich in first so i think that hey if you want to explore the titanic you want to explore the mariana trench and you want to do so in a submersible that hasn't received safety accreditation fantastic fantastic what we should do is let's get the richest people in the world on that thing all at once let's get elon musk let's get jeff bezos let's get warren buffett let's get them all on this submersible at once and they can go uh, explore the most dangerous place in the world they can go deep into the mariana trench they can go underneath the titanic they can we can throw that submarine into a volcano and then they can explore the depths of the molten lava deep beneath the earth's crust let's do that and then either because that's a win-win either you know they survive and you know we learn something about humanity and we learn something new about the world and our place in it or and this could be even better or uh they die and then there is a massive redistribution of wealth and uh and the earth and the earth is healed and society and civilization is repaired so i'm just saying i think that it is sad that people died but i think it's better to be testing out these uh these devices these submersibles uh on on the rich instead of poor people and dogs i think that's always a win I will say this. I don't know where Elon Musk was in all this tragedy because he loves swooping in on uh, on a tragedy. Remember when uh, this is? Remember a few years ago, the remember those Thai boys because there was a lot of this was reminiscent of the Thai boys who got stuck. Remember the Thai soccer team? They got stuck in a cave a few years ago. So if you don't remember, Thai soccer team they go exploring in a cave. I think it was like twenty of them or something. Whole soccer team, uh, including the bench, the whole team was there. And they go exploring in a cave. There's some flooding in the cave, and they're stuck in the cave. And the waters are rising. And you know, if they don't get them out soon, they're 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 going to drown. And it, by some miracle, absolute miracle, they manage to get some scuba divers to swim through the the cave. And they found them in the cave. And then one of the scuba divers is an Australian dude. He won Australian of the Year because of this. He was also an anesthetist. And what he did was he anesthetized all these kids, puts them under, literally, and then takes them underwater. And then they wake up at the end of it. And they're like, oh, I'm out of the cave. It's the most incredible uh, safety. It's the most incredible rescue story, I think, in human history. It's got to be. And while that was happening, you might remember this was Elon Musk before he had bought Twitter and before he became even more annoying. What he did was he said, oh, I've got a submarine. Hey, um, if you need any help, 
I've got this little like one person submarine that you can uh, take into the cave and uh, you can get all the little boys on the submarine and uh, then you can take them out. That's what Elon Musk suggested. Now, and everyone was like, well, that's not going to work because the submarine is going to get trapped in the cave and then we'll have to rescue the submarine. Terrible idea. And then Elon Musk said to the uh, actual scuba divers, said, oh, you don't like my submarine idea? Well, you guys are pedophiles. Now, I know that's a huge escalation. You might think that, that he didn't actually say that. Elon Musk did call uh, these rescuers pedophiles because they thought his submarine idea was dumb. Anyway, my point is that man now owns Twitter. And my other point is this. Where was Elon Musk in all this? Dust off the submarine, mate. Why wasn't Elon Musk saying, I'll save these rich billionaires. I'll go down in my submarine and rescue them with my little sub. And, uh, and if anyone who says I can't do it, they're a pedophile too. I don't know why Elon Musk wasn't doing that. I mean, may I presume he he wanted them to to actually die because that's kind of like good for him. He's got he he wants to be the richest guy in the world. A little less competition is probably always good for him. So Elon, uh, I just think he went missing in action here. We really could have used uh, his expertise. We could have used his sub, and ideally he would have gone down, uh, imploded as well, and then all of a sudden Twitter becomes a much happier place. Now. The other thing that people are saying about this, there's so many angles to talk about on this topic. So if, you ha- if you're bored already, uh, maybe stop listening because I'm going to keep talking about this for quite a while. People are saying, look, this just shows how unequal the world is because when rich people are in a submarine, they're in a submarine and uh, they've spent a quarter million dollars to be on that submarine and then they uh, require a search and rescue mission. When that happens, the Coast Guard gets involved, the Navy gets involved, everyone's talking about it. It's a huge story. It's the story of the century. But when migrants are on a rickety ship and they're trying to cross the Aegean to get to Greece because they're fleeing Syria or some shit, and what happens is uh, inevitably that ship uh, breaks down and and it sinks and, and they need help, and the Coast Guard doesn't go to save them. And it's just a, an awful, awful example of how unequal the world is right now because you've got billionaires who are getting all the resources, even though they're imploding to, uh, two kilometers under the sea, and are there of their own accord. They're not these, these motherfuckers aren't fleeing persecution. I mean, quite the opposite. They're fleeing the, the best possible life. I mean, these people are billionaires. You know, they live in mansions they have servants looking they have migrants looking after them you know they're fleeing migrants they're they're fleeing these incredible lives to go and risk it all just to see the ruins of a titanic that you can already watch for free on youtube they're fleeing a life of luxury and abundance for this ridiculous experience meanwhile you've got actual refugees fleeing actual persecution to just get just something just that they're just to not be shot in the face that day they're fleeing persecution not even for like a great life just for likes just to not be tortured for one day that's all they want and when their ship sinks no one gives a shit and it's so depressing it is very sad what i think is this i think whenever uh, migrants jump on a ship to flee persecution and go to another a country for safety what they should do is they should just bring one billionaire with them just one because that way if the boat that they're on does sink they can be like hey please come help us and the coast guard will be like nah fuck off you're um you're, you're you don't have any money because you're all immigrants 
and we've looked at your overall wealth and it's like seven US dollars between all 100 of you. We're not saving you. But then the migrants could be like, oh, no, 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 no. We brought a billionaire with us and uh, he is an oligarch from Russia and he was trying to escape Putin and now you have to uh, rescue us. And then the Coast Guard's like, oh, shit, you got a billionaire. Okay, fine. Maybe human life is worth saving. So I'm just saying it is very, very sad to come to that realization. But I'm just saying maybe we've learned something that the refugees can use in the future to get the help that they need when they uh, do crash and sink in the ocean. Now, everyone's talking about whether or not uh, this is going to... Everyone's like saying this is bad for OceanGate. You know, this is uh, this has ruined their their company and, you know, no one's ever going to trust them again. Look, that might be true to some extent, but I will say this. This disaster has really put submersibles on the map because i got to say, until this week, I had not thought about submersibles. It was not uh, something that, you know, I was talking about day to day. Certainly, it wasn't something that I was reading about on, on Twitter constantly for seven days straight. You don't talk about submersibles much. This has really put submersibles on the map. Now, they say there's no such thing as bad publicity. I think in this regard, that might be true just a little bit. Because now, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, shit, you can take a submersible down to the Titanic. You know, the vast majority of people didn't even know you could do that. Now, they're like, oh, shit, you can do that. Oh, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll buy that uh, for an enemy. You know, maybe I will find an enemy that I have, someone who I want to die, and be like, hey... I got you this amazing gift. Um, I spent a lot of money on it. Only cost a quarter of a million dollars. Only a quarter of a million dollars, but you're going to love it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put you into a, 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 a metal, uh, a small metal uh, little, uh, I, you could call it a submarine, but it's not. It's just like a little tube, small metal tube. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in. And inside of that, there's going to be like one remote controller. Uh, one remote controller. Uh, and it's the same remote controller that they use on Xboxes. That's true. They're going to use. We're going. That's what you've got in there. And then what we're going to do is we're going to close uh, the 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 door on it, and we're going to seal it shut with about 18 bolts. So you're stuck in there, right? And then uh, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to just drop you in the ocean, and uh, you're going to go down uh, to the Titanic. You know that famous ruin. We're going to go. You're going to go see that ruin, and uh, and that that's your gift. And uh, th- I'm, so I'm just saying that that's what people can now give to their enemies. They can be like, hey, here's this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, literally once-in-a-lifetime, and uh, you're going to love it or you're going to die. So I'm just saying there's just things that, you know, this, is, this puts OceanGate on the map. I also think they can start doing double packages now because now if you're, if you're OceanGate, you've got to capitalize. Guys, I don't know. Whoever's on the marketing team at OceanGate, get me on board because i got some ideas. What they could do with OceanGate, is I could be like, hey, um, you know how it's a quarter million dollars to go visit the Titanic? Why don't you double it? So now for $500,000, you can go visit the Titanic and also you can have exclusive rights to visit the uh, imploded wreckage of the Titan that we sent down the other week. So that's pretty good. It's like a two-for-one deal, um, but, you, but you, charge, you charge more. So you charge like 500 grand uh, to see both. And, and the best thing is that if you send down another submersible and that implodes at the bottom now you can do a three for one four for one five for one every time a submersible implodes you're actually um you know creating a new asset for your business you're creating a new ruin to visit so i think it's a win-win keep sending them down don't don't repair the the titan don't don't keep the xbox controller 
keep the carbon fiber that implodes uh, at two kilometers. Keep that because, you know, the more that these things uh, implode, the, the more you can offer future clients. And I do, I'm interested to know what will happen to this company, to be quite honest. I'm fascinated because, you know, I think they'll bounce back. I really do think that they'll bounce back because, you know, companies can bounce back from this type of thing. Companies can bounce back from an awful tragedy. I mean, sure, like Malaysia Air, think about Malaysia Air, you know, they lost a plane, it happens. They lost a plane, right? People, they still have, they're still an airline. I think they had to change the name from like Malaysia Air to like, Malaysian airlines or something and people because they're like oh people won't know it's the same airline but my point is that like they're, they're still operating Malaysia still has a national airline people still fly on it because people are like fuck it I'll take the risk you know if you're going to do hey I, you know it's a 150 bucks from Kuala Lumpur to London fuck let's let's roll the dice you know what I mean so I'm just saying companies can bounce back from tragedies I think Ocean Gate can do it the one thing that companies really struggle to bounce back from is when they uh, support a trans cause because Bud Light if you haven't been following that story, Bud Light uh, had Dylan Mulvaney, who's a trans woman, uh, do like a little sponsored post for them on Instagram. And as a result, uh, the conservatives, right-wing people lost their absolute minds. And they started uh, literally uh, shooting uh, Bud Light cans with AR-15s on the internet. Uh, they, they lined them up and got steamrolls and rolled over all these Bud Light cans. Uh, to be honest, I think that kind of probably helped the company in the short term because all these people were purchasing uh, Bud Light in order to destroy it. So... I think in the short term, they, they actually gave Bud Light money. But in the long term, it's been really bad for Bud Light's brand and conservatives have boycotted it to the point where recently it's just been reported that Bud Light has lost like $27 billion off its market share, which is a, a lot of, that's a lot of money. My point being is that we live in a world right now, right now, the society that we live in, uh, it is worse for your company to support trans rights uh, than it is uh, to kill uh, five clients at the bottom of the ocean. That's the world that we're in. I'm not saying I like that world. I'm just saying that is the reality. So if Ocean Gate, if I, I think they'll be absolutely fine. I think they'll be the only real way for Ocean Gate to fuck up is to come out and be like, we now support uh, trans rights. If they came out as a big rebrand and were like, hey. Last couple of days of Pride Month, we want you to know that uh, the the Titan was trans, the submersible was trans, then they'd be fucked. Then everyone would be like, fuck you, Ocean Gate, I'm never going in a tin can submersible ever again, I'm never buying an Xbox controller. Then they would actually be in trouble. But I think they can bounce back from this, uh, and that's good. And I think that's, I look forward to more billionaires uh, imploding at the bottom of the ocean in the future. One last thing I need to say about this. One, one last thing. Sorry, I know I've talked about this for so much. I just, I just, I haven't stopped thinking about this for a week. One last thing I want to say about this is the way that uh, conservatives, uh, you know, right wing media, Fox News, Sky News, are using this as an opportunity to just like, to just like, uh, just crowbar in their ideology at every opportunity. I'll tell you why. Because I was watching Fox News. The other day, and uh, Jesse Waters, who's like their new uh, front man, because Tucker Carlson got kicked off, uh, pr- probably because like some sexual harassment stuff, he got kicked off Fox News. So Jesse Waters is like the new guy who's like basically now the face of Fox News. He's their big guy. He came out and said, "Well, wokeness is what killed these five billionaires because OceanGate, the company, its CEO said that it didn't want to hire old whites." men 
to be, you know, engineers and, and captains and pilots of the submersible because they weren't inspirational enough and instead they had a more diverse approach to employment. And so Jesse Waters is like saying, well, that means wokeness has killed these five people because if you had hired some old white men who were qualified, then then that would then they would have survived. And that's so wokeness killed them. Now, first of all, I will say this. Um, the Titanic, all the captains of the Titanic were old white guys. Didn't work out for them. I'll also say, I just don't think wokeness killed them. I think it was the ocean. I think that, generally speaking, when you send people down in a little can uh, to the bottom of the ocean, and it's it's made of a, uh, of a material that doesn't have its uh, safety accreditation, I think what happens then is the ocean kills you. So I, I, I can see what you're trying to do, guys, Jesse Waters, conservatives. I see how you're trying to be like, no, nah, it's wokeness. Uh, I reckon a trans whale sat on them and killed them. I know what you're trying to do. I just don't think it's working. Try with something else. I think here no one's going to buy it because people are like, I, I think it was... I think it was the ocean that did it this time. Speaking of uh, rich people finding themselves in trouble, Vladimir Putin, we're changing topics. Thank God. 28 minutes talking about that. Let's move on. Vladimir Putin is, uh, he's had an interesting week, Vladimir Putin. So uh, if you don't know who Vladimir Putin is, uh, he's the guy uh, who's going to potentially kill us all. So Vladimir Putin, the leader of, of Russia, has uh, just faced a coup this week. Uh, well, not a real coup, like a little uh, a baby coup, a little kind of like attempted coup. So what happened was, turns out Putin has a bunch of uh, mercenaries fighting for him in Ukraine. Now, I didn't even know that mercenaries still existed. I thought they only existed in like Lord of the Rings movies. But no, mercenaries exist. He's got an army of like people, 25,000 soldiers called the Wagner Group, who are basically on his payroll. And he's like mates, or he was mates, with a guy who was leading this Wagner group. All of a sudden, this Wagner group, who's previously been doing all these operations in Ukraine, has been like, fuck this, we're going to go back to Russia and we're going to march on Moscow and fuck shit up. So all of a sudden, these 25,000 guys who um, have previously been loyal to Putin and the Russians uh, have decided to turn around and start marching towards Moscow. And they were quite they were quite close to Moscow. All of a sudden, they call it off, and it seems like Putin and this guy who leads the mercenaries, like Prigusha or some shit like that, they have come to an agreement, and they call off the coup. And i got to say, what a disappointing coup, because this I, I really had high hopes for this coup. We were all excited. We were like, oh, shit, there's a coup. And when coups happen, that's kind of exciting. And I, it's just disappointing that they couldn't pull off a coup. I mean, you've got 25,000 soldiers. You should be able to do something. You should be able to do some sort of coup. I mean, you look at the January 6th insurrection. How is it that in America they can have a better coup with a bunch of idiots who are dressed in uh, these fat, overweight Nazis uh, dressed in camouflage? How come they can do a better coup than, than the Russians? I mean... They didn't even get the Russians. The, these these mercenaries didn't even get to didn't even get to Moscow. Didn't even get to the Kremlin. 
It's embarrassing. Meanwhile, you've got these goddamn patriots in America who are fighting for freedom and fighting for their rights and, you know, white power and all that. And these goddamn, uh, you know, heroes compared to the mercenaries, these goddamn heroes actually got to the Capitol. They climbed up the walls. They, uh, they smashed a few windows and, uh, and, you know, now a lot of them are in jail. But my point is they actually got to the, the Capitol and that was, that was fun. And these Russian mercenaries, they don't even make it to the Kremlin. They get halfway there. They run out of petrol. They get tired. They turn around. Boring. Worst coup ever. I'm very disappointed in you mercenaries. I thought a mercenary would just have a bit more, a bit more gumption. A bit more gumption. Guys, the last story I've got to talk about today is uh, Lance Armstrong. Now, look, me and Lance Armstrong, i got to say, I don't like shitting on Lance Armstrong. I really don't. And I'll tell you why. Because we are both testicular cancer survivors. So I don't like shitting on him. You know, the 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 single bald man community, it's not a big community. It's really not a big community. There's not many of us going around. It's like me, uh, Lance Armstrong, and Hitler. Hitler also had one ball. Apparently he lost a ball during World War One, which is probably why, you know, he was in such a grumpy mood all the time. My point being, there's not many, you know, guys in the one ball uh, you know, group that we meet up once a week and there's not many guys there. It's just me and Lance and the ghost of Hitler. It's not It's not a lot of us, right? So I don't like to shit on Lance Armstrong because I got to see him at next week's meeting and, you know, it'd be weird if he knew I said this about him. So I don't want to shit on him. I really don't. But I do have to talk about this new documentary that he has made. So Lance Armstrong, uh, who is uh, famous uh, for... Uh, cheating. So he won seven tours de France. Tour de France's. How do you say that? He won seven tours of the France. And uh, he did so, um, I, I think pretty much all of them, he was on something. He was on like, uh, you know, hormones and EPO and blood doping and whatever. He was just, he was on it all. He was like, uh, he was like an NRL player on Mad Monday. He just had a lot of stuff going on in his system. And uh, after years of denying it and after years of, you know, bullying people and threatening people to keep them silent and destroying the lives of, of other people, he was finally exposed as being a cheater. And, you know, he, he faced criminal charges. He obviously lost a lot of money, lost his sponsorships, his reputation is in tatters. The, the reputation of cycling is, is, was in tatters and kind of remains in tatters a little bit. I'm not sure. I, don't, I think still quite a lot. I mean, no one really trusts cycling anymore i mean we're kind of at the point where it's like well they should just let all the cyclists take us whatever drugs they want because we kind of all suspect they're on something anyway so let's just make it fair by saying yeah take whatever you want inject as much testosterone into your fucking eyeballs as you want let's see who can go from france to italy in under 45 minutes on a bike so we're kind of at that point with cycling and a lot of that is lance armstrong's fault because he cheated and completely destroyed the integrity of sport so you're probably wondering what is Lance Armstrong doing weighing into the debate about trans women competing in women's sport? And that is a great question. I don't have a lot of answers for you. All I know is this. He is releasing a new documentary where he kind of takes the position in the documentary that you know trans women uh, might potentially undermine the integrity of 
women's sport. Now, I will say this. I will say this. If anyone is qualified to discuss undermining the integrity of sport, it has got to be Lance Armstrong. I mean, this guy literally made a career out of undermining the integrity of sport. So, I mean, he's actually the most qualified person to talk about this when you think about it. So, I guess it makes sense for him to have an opinion on it. But I just think it's very funny that a guy who ruined a sport is now all of a sudden purporting to care about the integrity of sport. I think that is very funny. And I got to say, you know, he he's making this documentary and he knows he's going to be mocked relentlessly for that irony. He's going to be mocked relentlessly for that hypocrisy. So I think it's kind of brave for him to come out and, and do this documentary. I'd say he's got balls. Technically, he's got ball. Ha, ha, ha. Bit of comedy there for you. But I think that's kind of impressive. Then I, I will say this. I will also say this. I think he's kind of got... The actual, I think he's actually got a kind of like a balanced right take on the whole topic, to be quite honest with you, because he's basically saying, look, I support trans rights, I support trans people. However, there might be some instances where a trans woman competing against cis women in a women's league might be unfair to those women. Now, that is not, I don't think that's a controversial stance to take. I think that that's what the vast, vast majority of people think. And my personal view is that there are some instances where it might be unfair and they kind of all have to just be assessed on a case-by-case basis, which is what pretty much most sporting leagues are now doing. They're basically creating uh, molds that uh, a trans women have to fit into in order to qualify to compete amongst women. That's probably a good thing. I think that's probably the most reasonable way to deal with it. And that's kind of Lance Armstrong's position. The frustrating thing here is that Lance Armstrong, I think, has the correct take on this topic, but also it's coming from the lead, just like a guy who has no credibility at all. It's really frustrating when someone with zero credibility um, actually seems to have the right take on something. You know, it would be like, uh, the CEO of OceanGate uh, giving engineering advice that was correct. You'd be like, I know what you're saying is correct, but also you you just uh, sent five billionaires down to the bottom of the ocean uh, in a little can and then it imploded and they all died. And uh, now there's a kid uh, at a Blink-182 concert uh, enjoying his inheritance. That's the episode today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that, like, subscribe, share, do all that bullshit. Maybe if you leave a nice review on the internet, on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you listen, that helps other people find the podcast. So that would be really, really nice of you to do that. I've also got shows coming up uh, in uh, the UK, mainland Europe. I've got some shows uh, back home in Australia too. Head to my website, Michael Schaefer for the details on that you can follow me on all the socials at Michael Schaefer if you want to keep up to date with everything that I'm up to again thank you guys for listening you guys are the true heroes and uh, hopefully uh, the Titanic doesn't kill any more people between now and next week's episode good night